Good morning, I'm Pastor Allen. Great to see everyone. Uh, we're in a series counting down Jesus' life from his baptism to his resurrection. Easter's only two weeks away. Hopefully excited about that. Uh, invite people. Uh, our Easter egg hunt actually takes place at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, so kids can be out there and we get a shot at the adults in here. So invite your neighbors and friends. Uh, today's topic is the new covenant. Now, put a couple words up on the screen. What's your gut reaction when you hear these words? Unlimited or unconditional? You ever buy tires or something that had an unconditional guarantee for so many miles? Anytime you get, buy something, you see this, it's usually a long thing, especially online. It's pages, and none of us read it, do we? We just go down to, scroll down to the bottom and say, I agree. And so then when a problem comes up and we say, well, it's unconditional, they say, no, 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 and then the fine print somewhere in there. Uh, now, it's not always true. I bought a pair of shoes, Hoka's uh, running shoes, um, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, started something new, runner as a runner, I'm going to buy these new shoes. Anyway, I, I ran over 700 miles in these shoes, and then the sole kept, started separating. Somebody said they had unconditional guarantee on these shoes. I didn't, wasn't even aware so I call up the company, I tell them this, they said send them in and they sent me a brand new pair. No questions asked. Actually it happened twice to me. Uh, so sometimes it's true, but most of the time, especially if you're a skeptic like me, your reaction is it's really not, is it? There is a limit, there is a condition. So we're going to jump in here and we're going to talk about the Passover, we talked about the Passover last week. And the Passover for the Jews was the biggest holiday by far, that they had. I said a combination like Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving and should throw in the 4th of July because they're celebrating uh, getting out of Egypt, being set free. So it's all bold into one. It's a whole week long. And uh, it was originally called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. And now they just shorten it to Passover. And Jews, of course, still celebrate that. <clears throat> well, we're going to look at the, the last time Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples, and this is where he's going to talk about this new covenant. Now, it was a little bittersweet for them because they're celebrating being free, but were they free when Jesus walked on earth? Were the Israelites free? No, who controlled them? Romans did. They were under occupation. So they're celebrating freedom. It'd be kind of like, you know, our country being occupied by the Russians or the, or the Chinese, and they were celebrating the 4th of July be kind of, obviously, bittersweet, wouldn't it? So, a verse to catch up where we went, were last week. During this time, this Passover time, the religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus, and, and Lazarus, by the way. And so, he, they publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately so they can arrest him. But there was a caveat. We've got to find it when the crowds aren't around. Evidently, he wasn't easy to find when the crowds weren't around. So this was why they gave these instructions. Can't arrest him when the crowds are around because he's really, really popular, as we're going to see in the, next, in the next verse. So we can't arrest somebody that's so popular, otherwise uh, they'll turn on us. <clears throat> so the next day, a great crowd that had come for the festival, this was the Passover, and we believe it was on a Sunday, they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. All right, he'd been out in some other, traveling around in some other villages. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. We call this Palm Sunday, right? 
blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. <clears throat> now, when you think about this, you have to realize Judaism was both, being an Israelite was both political and religious. And so, Hosanna means save now or Lord save me now. So, are most of the people in this crowd thinking spiritually or religiously save me now or politically save me now? What do you think? Politically, right? Jesus is really popular. He's proclaiming that that he's, they're proclaiming he's king of Israel. Did they have a king already? Yeah, they already had a king. We're like, hey, we're going to proclaim somebody president. But, oh, wait a minute, we already got a president. Uh, so, we're hoping that this is the person, the Messiah, that's going to come and set up his earthly kingdom, and consequently he will get rid of the Romans, right? And we'll be free. And so, the crowds assumed that Jesus came to Jerusalem for something for their nation, to set them free from the Romans. But in fact, Jesus had come to do something for you and for me and for the entire world. Now, back, way back, God had called Abraham. He said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of a great nation, and this nation is going to share me with the world. Now, how good a job did the Israelites do with that task? Not very good, right? And so... God was still going to fulfill that. He was going to fulfill it not through a nation, but through a people. So about two days before Passover, something dramatic, something radically happened. Pleasant surprise for the religious leaders. Judas, one of the twelve, had spent three and a half years with Jesus, inner crowd. He had seen everything, he had heard everything. Came to the leading, went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus. Now you can only betray somebody that you're close to, right? And maybe you've been betrayed by someone, most of us have. Someone that said they were for us, supported us, cared about us, and then turned their backs on us. Well, this is what was going to happen with, with Jesus because of Judas. Now, it says they were delighted that the promise, and promised to give him some money. They were delighted that he was agreeing to this, but the reason they were delighted is because they were afraid. They were afraid that Jesus was going to become so popular that they would lose their power, they would lose their authority. And many people today, maybe some of you, are afraid to turn your life over to Jesus because you're going to lose your freedom, lose your power, lose your authority. But as most of us know that are Jesus followers, there is greater freedom in Jesus than there is outside of Jesus and certainly nothing to be afraid of. Someone said this, you and I are underqualified to be the, the commander in chief of our lives and we just look at our past mistakes and it's evidence, right? We didn't do a very good job of running our lives. <clears throat> so he, meaning Judas, agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him again. When? When the crowds weren't around. And we may talk about this next week. Eventually he gets in the Garden of Gethsemane with his, with his 11 disciples and Judas brings the guards to arrest him. So, were they successful in this plan with Judas? Well, yes and no. Their plan would succeed because they arrested Jesus and they crucified him the next day and killed him. 
and they thought, this problem is over. But their objective would not be met because the new covenant became and God was, Jesus was for everyone and the gospel would be spread to the world and they would lose their authority. So, Passover. Passover meal. Jesus sends a couple disciples to find a place for them to celebrate their Passover. And this was, like I said, this was huge. This was big. And we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 22. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal. Obviously, we're all eager for that big religious or political holiday. And so were they. But notice, he says, I was eager to eat it with you before my suffering begins. So yeah, 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 we're going to get together and celebrate the Passover. It's going to be the last time with you guys. And all I got left is a bunch of suffering. Now what he says next is going to be really disturbing to his audience. Not so much to us. So I'll try and put it in context. Passover. Been celebrating for over a thousand years. And he says, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body. This represents my body. Which is given or going to be given for you. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. This bread is supposed to represent that unleavened bread that the Israelites made because they didn't have time for the yeast to rise and before they took out of Egypt. That's what it's supposed to represent. It's been representing that for over a thousand years. What are you talking about, Jesus? This is kind of crazy. Then he goes on, do this to remember me. Wait, wait, wait. The Passover is remembering Moses and remembering Egypt and remembering deliverance and going to the Red Sea and all that stuff. Eventually getting the Ten Commandments and becoming our own nation. That's what we're supposed to remember. That's what the Passover is about. What are you talking about, Jesus? Now, here's a silly illustration. We get to Christmas, what do we celebrate? It's the birth of Jesus. So, this December comes along and I say to you, this year we're going to celebrate my birthday, not Jesus' birthday. And you're going to lock me up in an institution somewhere, probably, right? <laughs> um, that's how radical, actually, it's more radical than that. Jesus said, okay, we're not going to do this, remember Moses and all that, that stuff for a thousand years. This is going to be about me, about remembering me. And then he goes on. They celebrate the Passover meal together. You can study that for yourself. There's different elements and so forth. And it's actually four cups or four drinkings from the cup in a celebration. This one is either the third or fourth. We're not quite sure. But after the supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant. There's our term, new covenant between God and his people. That's a new agreement, new arrangement, different new way of connecting God and his people. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This wine is supposed to represent the blood of the lamb that was shed and the blood spread around the door so the death angel would fly over and the oldest male wouldn't die in our household. (laughs) But now you're saying it's, it's about you, Jesus, and it's about real blood and it's no longer about a nation relationship with God. It's about person, a person being related, a personal relationship with God. 
Now, if you grew up uh, Jewish and you went to the synagogue and you study Old Testament scriptures, it's fascinating to me that over 600 years before this, a prophet by the name of Jeremiah told us this was going to happen, told the Jews it was going to happen. So quickly, let's read those verses from Jeremiah. Day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a, there's our term, new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. So God's saying, I'm going to make a new covenant. I'm going to do it differently. Goes on. This covenant will be like the one made with the ancestors when I took them by hand and brought them out of Egypt, land of Egypt. So it's going to be different than that one. That one was conditional. We're going to see this one's going to be unconditional. This new covenant we made with with the people, I will put my instructions deep within them, them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer be an external thing, be an internal thing. It'll be a, be a thing of the conscience rather than uh, following the rules or legalism. So what kind of covenant would it be? So we're going to take a couple minutes and talk about Old Testament time covenants. We have the same things today. These are contracts or agreements. The first type is called a bilateral parenty treaty agreement between equals is like when you sign a contract in a renting a unit rent a rental unit I'm going to pay you this much every month for a year you're not going to change the price because it's going to stay the same you're going to fix things when they break and so long as I pay the rent and you fix the things and I get to live here everything's fine right it's bilateral equal parties That's the first type of contract or, or treaty that this could be. The second type is this. Uh, bilateral again, two parties. Suzera, I can't say this word, Serenti Treaty. This is where someone with more authority dictates terms and conditions to someone of less authority. Would be what the Romans were doing to the Israelites in this day. They would dictate terms and conditions. You had little option, little choice, but to do it. Another way to think of parents, curfews with your kids. Let's say they turn 16, get their driver's license, and they don't have their own car. They're going to borrow your car, and you say, okay, here's the keys, but here's the rules. Don't go over the speed. Don't break any laws. Don't drink and drive, um, and be home at a certain time, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, whatever. If they break any of those terms or conditions, what happens? There is consequences, and they take, the keys are taken away, right? So that's that type of uh, covenant. Now, the old covenant, the Old Testament, testament means covenant or agreement. The old covenant was this type. It was conditional. God said, I'll do this if you do this. If you don't do this, then I'm not going to do this. I'm God, you're not. So I get to decide the rules. I get to decide what happens. Now, there's a lot of that stuff in the Old Testament, but it was really important for them because he was helping them establish a culture, a society. They'd been slaves for years and years and years, so they didn't know how to operate as a free society. But this kind of covenant comes with all kinds of conditions. You ever give your kids time out? Well, God did that to the Israelites for 70 years. Said, okay, you're not going to obey me. You're not going to listen to me. You're not going to worship me. 70 years you're going to spend in another country. And eventually he let them come back and have another try. So obey, good things happen. Disobey, bad things happen. Now there's a third type of covenant. Promissory covenant. And this is an unconditional promise for your benefit. It's like I've got a bunch of money and I 
for some reason you cross my path and I say, hey, I want to give you $50,000. You can do whatever you want with it. I prefer you go to college, but you could go to trade school. You can start a business. You can do whatever you want. Here it is the money. Okay? Think of it as a patron. It's unilateral. I make the dis- decision and I just give it to you. The only option you have, I guess, is to, to, to take the money or not, right? Now, these covenants were ratified in a kind of a weird way for us. They would cut an animal in half and walk through it. Both parties walk through it. And what they're saying is, if I don't keep my part of the bargain, I'm going to sacrifice my life like this animal did, <clears throat> except for the promissory covenant. In the promissory covenant, only one person walks through. It's unilateral. The person that's giving away is the one that walks through. Now, the, the term um, cutting a deal, that's where it originated. Um, so we get back to the Passover meal with Jesus and his disciples after supper he took another cup a covenant between God and his people agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out for you so what kind of covenant is it what kind of agreement is it is it bilateral or unilateral is he saying okay I'm going to pour out my blood for you if you do this or if you don't do that, no, it's unilateral. It's a promissory covenant. God said, I'm, Jesus said, I'm just going to do this. So what's my part? <laughs> I'm the recipient. That's it. So on the screen, it's all for you, a promissory covenant. It's all for you, and it's all on me. It's 100% for you, but it's 100% on me. I have the $50,000. I'm giving it to you. Just like that. That's what this new covenant was. Completely different from the old covenant, conditional covenant. And Matthew adds another word. Matthew adds this word. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Now they were celebrating deliverance from slavery. So this is a huge celebration to them. Uh, This is going to be a sacrifice for forgiveness. Forgiveness is necessary to have a relationship with God. Now, did any of this stuff make sense to the disciples? What do you think? It makes no sense. They didn't understand it. It doesn't make any sense until after the crucifixion and resurrection because that's how it becomes true. But this is a temple equation. Blood has to be shed, Old Testament, for sins to be forgiven. And so Jesus fulfilled that. Reminds us back where we started seven weeks ago or whatever it was. When Jesus was being baptized, what did John say about him? John 1, 29. John saw Jesus coming. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What is he saying? What did he do with the lambs? They sacrificed them at the altar. And so this would actually come true. This would be ratified by the Roman nails on the cross the next day. So this new covenant would fulfill God's promise all the way back to Abraham and replace God's arrangement with Israel because now the gospel was for the world and that all the world was to share it with the rest of the world. So it was unconditional covenant. It was a promissory covenant. God did it all. You and I are just the recipients. One side, it kind of seems unfair, doesn't it? <laughs> Not about fairness. It's been all done for us. All religions of the world are the other. They're conditional. 
whatever God you want to pick, whatever religion. You've got to follow this rule, be good this, that. Christianity is completely different. God did it all. We are the recipients. Now, it sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? So God's unconditional love, is it, you know, there's nothing I can do to get God, God to not love me. Unlimited forgiveness. You know, I've done this thing 10,000 times. There's no limit. Got to be a catch, right? But what if there isn't? So what's your part? What do you and I do? John 3.16, most people know that verse. It tells us, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, one and only Son, that anyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. I get my sins forgiven. I get to spend eternity with God. All I have to do is believe in this unconditional forgiveness and love. Who would say, not say yes to that? Jesus called Peter this way after he performed this miracle. Told Peter, you, you're a professional fisherman, but I can catch more fish than you can. Uh, Jesus said simply this to him. Come follow me. No conditions. Just come follow me. And the caveat is simply this. And I know everything you've done. I know everything you thought. I know everything you're going to do. It's Okay. Just come follow me. It's as simple as trusting it is true and then it becomes all for you. Now, we're going to do something this morning we don't do very often. We're going to celebrate what Jesus just celebrated with his disciples. We're going to celebrate together. So we call it Lord's Supper, Communion, Eucharist, depending on your religious background. The guys begin serving the bread. Um, realizing this is this new covenant. We're not celebrating the Israelites getting out of Egypt, are we? We are celebrating the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. And you do not have to be a member of our church. All you have to do is be a believer, right? You, you are the recipient. So we're going to pass out the bread. I'll read the verse and we'll share that together. And then we'll pass out uh, the cup, we use grape juice. We don't use <laughs> uh, wine in our service, but that would be okay if we did. Um, <clears throat> again, they were celebrating the most important event in their nation's history deliverance from Egypt and slavery. We celebrate deliverance from the slavery of sin. We are set free. He said, you don't need to be afraid to become, become a Jesus follower because it's better than not being a Jesus follower. You have freedom that you do not have. You have a personal relationship with God through Jesus that you would not have otherwise. Can't tell. You have to let me know when everybody's been served. By the way, there's also unglutened, uh, non-gluten bread for those of you that prefer that type as we pass it out. <clears throat> too good to be true, right? It just seems too good to be true. The church I grew up in, when we celebrated, it was a somber time. It wasn't a real celebration time. Yes, our sins put Jesus on the cross, but that was his, the greatest loving act that the world has ever seen. 
So I shouldn't be sad about that other than the fact that, yes, a person, someone had to die, God had to die. But that was because he loved me and he loved you. What greater thing could you and I celebrate than if someone would love us that much? We're all served. I'll read the verse. We're taking the bread. Again, Jesus said, this represents my body. Jesus literally suffered and died in a body for you and I. I'm going to read the verse. I'm going to read Paul's account, which is really similar to uh, Jesus's. He said, I pass on the Lord, which I, I receive from the Lord, what I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took some bread. He had given thanks. Thank you. He broke it and said, this is my body, or this represents my body, which is given for you. Do this not to remember Egypt or Moses, but to remember me. Amen. If you guys would, folks would pass out the cup. Now, Jesus ratified the old covenant. The only way to get forgiveness for sins was by shedding of blood. The old covenant, the old testament, they take a, an animal, depending on how wealthy you were, a lamb or maybe a pigeon or something, and its blood had to be spilt or shed. The animal had to die so that your sins could be forgiven. The only problem with that system was that you had to repeat it. So I'm not Jewish. I don't know how it worked, but I don't know how often you had to repeat it. Maybe once a year to cover those sins. This is going to be all new. This is going to be all different. Someone else is going to do it for us. So I don't need to purchase a lamb or a pigeon. Somebody else is going to do it for me. And it's going to be once for all. So Jesus is going to die once. It's going to pay for the forgiveness of sin for all mankind, for all eternity. Obviously with the caveat that you receive that gift. You believe. Again, it, I understand. It seems too good to be true. There's got to be something I've got to do. But Jesus says, no. In fact, it can't work that way. The Old Testament didn't work very well. But I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something better, improved, if you will. <laughs> I'm going to do it all. <laughs> all you have to do is receive. When you hear the term free gift, sometimes you think, ah, it can't be really free, right? No. I love you unconditionally. You can't make me not love you. That's what God says to you and I through the cross. You can't make me not love you. Because I am love. This is my character. I'm God and you're not. So I choose to love you. Unconditionally. Despite you, despite me, again, how would anybody refuse that? God's free gift of salvation to you and I. This cup represents the fact that Jesus, a human, also God, literally shed his blood so you and I can have a relationship with God. Our sins forgiven. We spend eternity with him. 
cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this wherever you drink it in remembrance of me. In Matthew's account, it says they sang a hymn and then they left. They went to the garden, of course, then Jesus was arrested. So we're going to finish up our service this morning by the praise team coming and leading us in our final song. If you have made a decision today to follow Jesus, we need to hear about that. We love to hear about that. We love to baptize you. But if you want to be baptized or take the membership class or have questions about that or interest or helping with the pavilion or serving in some other capacity, please, please, use your connect card. We'll collect those in a few minutes. After the song, the service will be over. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. We thank you for this new arrangement, new agreement, new covenant, this promissory where it's all on you and we're receiving in. Too good to be true. It's the only way it would work. So that's why you decided to do it this way. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.